Hello, welcome to a Flophouse Mini. This is a mini episode of the Flophouse Podcast, a podcast where we normally watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Uh, on today's mini, we are stepping outside the actor's studio. That's right. <laughs> I'm your host, Stuart <laughs> Studio Wellington. Are we just sort of hanging out outside looking I'm, in? Or? I mean, outside Kinda. the actor's yeah. studio is where I am 100% of the time. I'm never inside <laughs> it's it. It's true. Exactly, because we are uh, we are the host of the Flophouse Podcast. Oh, sorry. I'm Stuart Studio Wellington. Joining me are... I'm... Dan Actors McCoy. <laughs> I thought he was going to say Dan Dance Floor McCoy, and I'll say uh, Elliot Electric Light Scalin. Perfect. Uh, and we are three non-professional actors. Don't check my IMDb page. Um, and we are uh, going to be talking about the movies of an actor that we find interesting. That's what mm. we do here in Outside the Actors Studio. We are going to focus on a single actor whose work we find interesting. We're, we're going to talk about. Uh, some of their bigger works and some of their smaller works, and then do a wrap up. Uh, and I was waiting for the joke after smaller works because yeah, I just thought it was going to be classic one, two, be. three disruption structure, but it didn't happen. <laughs> the thing is, this is normally we are a comedy show. Today we are going to be deadly serious. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. Watch out. I planted uh, a series dare. of clues to bombs throughout oh, the New York this metropolitan is be a game area. Of cat and mouse. Oh, wow. Uh, there's no cat and mouse. No, so uh, it's a game of cat and slightly smaller cat. Mm. It's adorable. On today's inaugural episode of uh, Outside the Actor's Studio, we're going to be talking about the movies of Val Kilmer. Val mm. Kilmer is an actor mm. who Val uh, Kilmer has been on my mind. I think I've talked about his movies with Dan recently uh, because I've caught up on some of them. Uh, specifically, I just recently watched uh, the documentary that he made, Val, which oh, uh, I still haven't seen that. I really want to see it. Filled with amazing footage uh, that he uh, from his entire life. It's it's wild, um, and it's kind of an interesting portrait of Val Kilmer, the man and the artist. Uh, but we're not really going to be talking about him as a person, uh, who is obviously like all of us, complicated. And, uh, we are going to be talking about <laughs> movies he's in. Feel free to pull up IMDb, gentlemen. I'm doing it right um, now. I'm assuming you it. are all you are both familiar with Val Kilmer. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I'm familiar with this work. <laughs> so yep. to get started, we're going to talk about- All of about his movies from Batman Forever to The Saint, I've seen them somewhat. <laughs> to the we... Steam Experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk about some general career stuff. It, uh, according to IMDb, he has been in 79 movies. Mm. That includes voice work and whatever criteria IMDb considers to be- a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also been, I believe, you can correct me, he's been in three movies that we covered here at the Flophouse. Uh, the Steam, Steam Experiment? Experiment being one of them. Uh, the Snowman. Oh, and right. We did Delgo. We, he was a voice in Delgo. Delgo is a movie I frequently forget exists, and I'm not worse off for that. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're able to walk down the street smiling as opposed to frowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, weighed down with a shadow by the existence of Delgo and my knowledge of that fact. Now, Val Kilmer's been in some movies that have been hits and some of that have been misses. Uh, Can you guess which movie he has been in has had the highest box office? This is a pretty easy one, I think. The highest box office. Is it his his Batman movie? Whichever one? It is not. Elliot, do you want to throw a guess? Uh, I would guess, like, Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick, but I don't Top know. Top Gun Maverick by a landslide. Okay, that's what I figured. $1.5 right. billion dollars in the yeah. box office. Now, I was, we're not, I was we're confining not myself to ones where he stars, which is not. Yep, that is he not the criteria. Star yeah, he yeah. didn't say that. Now, that is not adjusting for inflation, right? Uh, that is not adjusting for inflation. I think this you is find, exclusively if you just for, what it says on if you just for, If you just for inflation, I think you'll find that The Ghost and the Darkness was by far mm. <laughs> the biggest mm. hit. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, his, his second place was Top Gun, uh, and then after that, like, just after that was uh, Batman. Batman Forever. Forever. Is it Batman for, Yeah, it's Batman. Yeah. Batman Forever, which is ironic Batman since Forever? he never played the part again. <laughs> that's true. That, that was intended by the title, right? They, yeah, that's yeah. a little they, sly they joke. tell, yeah. Yeah. Behalf. Um, okay, so uh, I have picked out- I mean, Batman five- Forever is really just a kiss by the rose delivery system mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. right? Uh, kiss from a rose. From a rose? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I mean, I've singing a karaoke. Yeah, album. the rose is giving you 
a kiss, but it might not be performing the kiss. Yeah, and it's the unclear. kiss from a rose is uh, is <laughs> happening either at or on on the gray, which so, I don't know if that's yeah. part of your body or a place. It's on now, a DVD of the gray. <laughs> so the kiss from a rose is much like the book A Kiss for a Little Bear, where the kiss is transferred from animal to animal, from mm-hmm. Little Bear's grandmother to himself and back. That's the situation that we're exactly. talking about? Okay. A common reference we're all familiar with. I get kisses from Little Bears all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a book about animals, and it's a song performed by an animal. His name okay. is Seal, so. <laughs> That's true. Oh, wow, okay. Probably Elliot a checks Bears out. National yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. He's got the, he showed up with the receipts this time. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so I have, I have selected five movies fe- that have Val Kilmer in mm-hmm. them that I think okay. kind of cover uh, different aspects of his career. Obviously, it's not going to cover everything. After we go over these five, you'll have a chance to talk about movies that I did not mention that you particularly liked. So, uh, number one, the first one is also his first movie, Top Secret. Now, this was a huge one for me. Zucker Brothers, uh, have you guys, do you have any general thoughts on the movie Top Secret? Uh, this was one that I, I, I mean, I saw this as a kid, but I saw it later than um, Airplane and Naked Gun. They're more successful movies uh, box office wise. Um, and I was kind of like, wait, there's a, there's another one that no one talks about. And I, uh, it's a top secret, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I remember laughing a lot as a kid. I saw it again recently, like, like not recently, recently, but maybe four or five years ago, there was like a rep screening. I'm like, oh, that, that, that'd be fun. I'll go see top secret and watching it. I'm just like, I remember all of these jokes. None of it's yes. funny to me because I just remember all of these jokes. <laughs> but at the time, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were watching. You're like, I can't believe they made Omar Sharif the butt of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I feel like as a, you know, as a budding comedy genius, mm-hmm. uh, Top Secret had a huge effect on me. And there's <laughs> fucking jokes in that that I think about, like, I think about to this day, the fucking bit where he's... He has a dream where he shows up to school and he hasn't prepared for the test. And then he wakes up and he's being whipped and he goes, oh, thank God. Like, I, laugh. <laughs> I think about that and laugh to myself all the time. That was, the, I think, the joke that I that I think about that, because it really kind of bothered me as a kid, is when the man has the magnifying glass up to his face and he pulls it away and his eye is still enormous. <laughs> he's got this enormous <laughs> fake eye that it wasn't, that the magnifying glass was making his eye look big, but that he's just... It has this hideous uh, facial feature. Yeah, they have, like, I mean, not that they don't have amazing sight gags in, the in like, Airplane and Naked Gun, but I feel like the sight gags are more sort of technically complex in Top Secret. Like, yeah, well, they've whole got that scene. whole backwards scene and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. backwards. I think that's what the the the, uh, the spyglass was from. That was yeah, the, yeah, I believe it the is. end yeah. or opening of the scene. And the fucking underwater saloon fight is yeah. like that's crazy. It's a real I it's I never found it quite as funny as I did the Naked Gun movies, but it's a it's more of a yeah, there's parts of it that are real technical achievement in terms of a comedy movie in that mm-hmm. way. Although it does involve a scene right where a man dressed as an animal is assaulted by a horny animal, which uh-huh. I'm never a fan of. Do not like Yeah, I did a PowerPoint once years ago that I have never been able to perform again. I've never had the guts to do it again about uh, my about those scene, those types of scenes and my dislike of them. You know. Yeah, I think it's because specifically because you said gorillas the word usually. rape too many. You're like, <laughs> yes, because it uses the word because uses the phrase ape rape many times in the pre- in the presentation. I remember doing it once, and as soon as it done, uh, as I was done, I was like. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I don't. I can't do that again. <laughs> Never again. So. <laughs> um, yeah, and it has that scene where uh, the it looks like the train is leaving the station, and it's that the platform is yeah. moving away, yeah. and uh, that blew my little mind. I mean, it's. it's <laughs> I've. I feel like we're picking out gags in a movie that is like ninety nine percent gags. Oh, it's all <laughs> gags. It's. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing else really to it other than gags, right? The now. Uh, I think, I mean, I think we're all at least, uh, we're all fans of this movie on various levels, but, um, how do you, how do you feel about Val Kilmer in it? This is like his first, this is his first movie and he's the star. Um, I, I mean, I think that, (coughs) pardon me. I think that he's good in it. He's good in it. He's got a comic flair that to me, I don't want to, I don't know what you're going to talk about next or whatever, but like, 
I prefer him in Real Genius, uh, comedy wise. I think that the that what makes Airplane and um, Naked Gun work so well is that it's actors being so serious and yeah. like Kilmer has like an impish flair that like is weird that that is what he comes out of the gate with because later on I would argue that the problem with some of his performances is he becomes more humorless but well that's that's the uh, thing I I've, I like his performance in it for that reason that it shows that side of him that we don't otherwise get to see in yeah. too many other movies and which he could have very well been like a handsome comedy star, which at the time was not as common as it is now, where even comedies have to star people who are incredibly handsome. They can't star. Yeah, people it's with, like, have you been a professional funny? wrestler before? I don't think you can star in this comedy. <laughs> <laughs> can Let you me, be, can yeah, you bench oh, two twenty five? Because if you can't, you can't star in this comedy. Yeah, oh, we're casting a comedy. Can I see your abs? Do you want to hear me tell some jokes? No, just lift the shirt. Let me see your abs. No, I'm sorry, they're not chiseled enough. Yeah, to be in I, a funny movie. I don't need like. <sighs> I don't. Why, I don't. I guess we don't need to take like a negative detour. But I will say that like We're this whole, th- like I like uh, you know the various wrestling light comic stars to various degrees. Like mm-hmm. less so The Rock these days, more so like like Batista and and uh, and Cena. Yeah, they're you know, both like, great. They're good at what they do, but at the same time, I do think that there's a little bit still of the like. Um. That old like, uh, what was it? Uh, Johnson quote about like a dog on its hind legs, <laughs> like oof, harsh, harsh criticism. Well, no, I mean, well, it's just like you, I do think that part of like the excitement for people in those roles, other than like Drax, who I think is like Saint uh, Batista is amazing in that, but like some of the Cena stuff, I'm like. As much as I like him, I also feel like people are still giving him credit for being like a buff guy who's funny in the yeah. same way that like back in the day when everyone was like, oh man, Justin Timberlake is so funny on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, is he? <laughs> he's, yeah. He's he's better than you would expect and that's why you like him. Well, yeah, but, or, yeah. I mean, or the way that- Cena's that, way better than Timberlake, but- I feel but like you, you, get, I mean. you got that with John Hamm for a little bit too, where they're like, he's so handsome, but he's also can do comedy funnies. And the I, I want to mention also that Samuel Johnson quote Dan, is a is a it's explicitly it's a, a critic. It's a very sexist quote. It's a criticism of women preaching. Dan yeah. does not does not. Uh, I don't uh, endorse that. Stand by that half of it. But I think you're right that there is. <laughs> oh man, a, so many emails are half <laughs> finished right now. I think there is a little bit of a like. Can you believe this guy is funny? Also, can see he do these other things. But I think there's yeah. also a. There's been a flattening of film comedy to the kind of comedy that someone with a professional wrestling background is good at, which is kind of big yeah. bluster, you know? Yeah. Um, like, and uh, I kind of miss the days when you would have like, uh, when you when there would be a comedy like, uh, I don't know, like The Jerk or something like that, mm-hmm. where like it was not a, it was, there were varying tones to it and it was a guy who could also do quiet things as opposed to just loud guys getting into arguments and things like that, which I feel like yeah. is, a, is a lot of comedy now. But anyway- that's just me being an old man, not like yeah, new this, this stuff. Yeah, this took a real old man turn. I mean, the fact is, the fact is, if you're going to ask me what, what kind of comedy I want to see, I'm going to be like, uh, horse feathers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they do not make comedies like horse feathers anymore. You couldn't no. make a comedy like that these days. They're all you know dead. why? They're not bankable. <laughs> you could <laughs> not get enough people to the theater to see it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just so, try, just ma- try to make a comedy like uh, Sherlock Jr. these days. You couldn't do it. People demand a soundtrack with talking in their movies. Mm-hmm. Even the artist <laughs> had a little bit of talking. <laughs> uh, was it the dog? Was the dog talking? I don't remember. I didn't see the artist. Yeah, the, the dog was telling you to take a yeah. bite out of crime. Yeah, the dog, oh, wow. was ta- was, the dog was telling you to uh, stalk uh, young couples as they exited Studio 54. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's a son of Sam joke. Uh, yeah, it took me a while, but oh, I got there. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Should I mention so, more movies? Should I should I ironically state more types of movies that, <laughs> that, that you can't make anymore? You can't you make movies starring Cary Grant anymore. Just try it. Go out and try to make a Cary Grant movie. You can't even make uh-huh. a movie like that anymore because yep. he's been dead for years. And in the studios agreed not to do a bunch of AI CG bullshit with Cary Grant, right? Actually, you're, you know what? They should, now, now I think about it, that is the one kind of movie you probably can make nowadays is a movie with a dead, dead celebrity 
starring in. I mean, the fucking actor's way easier to deal with than these assholes that are always striking, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. try to just try to make a, an action movie starring Jello Biafra these days. You can't do it because he has no interest in it. You just can't make a movie like that these days. Just try. Go talk to him about it. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> and then when he does agree, you're like, well, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to yeah. be bad. Okay, uh, the next movie on my little list is one he does not star in. We're talking Michael Mann's Heat. Mm. Heat, everybody. It's a good movie. Heat. I just rewatched that last year. Oh, no, it was earlier this year. Yeah, yeah that yeah. movie holds up. I will Kinda say this, too. though. Oh, yeah, yeah what were you going to say? I was just going to say, uh, having rewatched it now, uh, when I watched it as, what, like a teenager? Uh, it, it didn't like, it didn't quite resonate with me. It felt a little bit too long, uh, yada, yada. But as a 40 plus year old man, I'm like, oh, I get it. This rules. Yeah. It really, it, it really, it's a, it's a really good movie. There is a part of it though, where like Robert De Niro is set up with kind of an easy choice to make, which is whether to be a criminal who dies or go off with a beautiful woman and live happily forever. And it is, I guess it's a portrait of male obsession, you know, that he, that he mm-hmm. yeah, can't man. make that choice that so that easily. Michael Mann stuff. That's that Michael Mann stuff. It is that Michael Mann stuff. I gotta yeah. say though, like I'm the dissenter. I mean, I like heat. Don't get me the wrong. Dissenter starring Dan like, McCoy. I feel like if you say anything bad about heat, the internet is going to murder you, but I, well, it's necessary like, I for like life. it. I like it, but I rewatched it. Again at a rep screening, man, I, I do have time to burn. Elliot's right. <laughs> um, I watched it recently and I'm like, I don't know. Like with a lot of these like really guys guy movies, I'm just like, this is too, this is too, too guy for me. Like I know that the movie I don't think endorses. No, it. I think the movie is a critique of that. It's a, it's an understanding critique of it. It sympathizes with it, but critiques it. I think. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I find it tiring after a while, I think. I will say, to be honest, that was kind of the impression I had when I finally got to watch Sorcerer, where mm. I was like, the I was like, oh, this is just guys doing guys, guys stuff in a in a hard situation. And I love Wages of Fear. And watching Sorcerer, I was like, mm, I'm kind of done with these guys. <laughs> like, I don't like any of them. I don't really care if they finish this thing. But with Heat, <laughs> maybe it's because Heat involved, it like, there you see a little bit the people who are affected by this behavior, you know, just a little bit. Um, and Al Pacino gives an amazing performance as a character who is probably on drugs the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of the rare. It's I feel like this is one of those movies. It's like this incentive of a woman are the ones where like people were like Al Pacino, you're great when you go all out all the time, and he's like, that's what I'll do. I'll only get bigger <laughs> from now on. Uh, oh, I think you forgot Devil's Advocate. <laughs> Oh, you're right. I did forget Devil's Advocate. You're right. You're Devil's right. Advocate is like the biggest performance I think I've it's ever huge. seen. A human I mean, he's deliver. literally playing the devil in that movie. I feel like I love Keanu Reeves, but watching Keanu Reeves in that movie, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't come to the. You didn't bring the right equipment. No. Uh, but Val Kilmer and he. Uh, I think it's. I think that's a good. And this is the same year. I'm looking at IMDb. The same year he starred as Batman, and I feel yeah. like he's so much better used in Heat than he is in Batman. Not because he and can't just, carry a movie, but because he doesn't have to carry it. So he can kind of do what he needs to with the role. And he and he like he delivers a performance that is not as big as uh Pacino. Yes. Yes. And he I feel like he matches De Niro's kind of like quiet uh male sadness. Yeah. And I it's can say that. He's just that, yeah. one year before his defining role in The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, baby. <laughs> I hope he gets to talk about The Island of Dr. Moreau is a, that is a self-inflicted thing <laughs> in that he literally said, I don't want to be the star of this movie anymore and swapped roles. You know, yeah. that's, that, that's a, that could have been a very different movie and he could have had a different, but he's, I don't know, that one scene in Island of Dr. Moreau where he's impersonating Marlon Brando is it's very great. funny. It's yes. a very funny scene. And there's something about it that I know that's not the movie we're supposed to be talking about now. But there's something about it where it's like he is play acting. It's like a child putting on his dad's clothes. He's play acting as someone whose work clearly means a lot to him. And I and it adds this metatextual aspect to it that the island of Dr. Moreau otherwise does not, <laughs> does not have at all. Guys, his last name in Heat is Shahirless. Shahirless, yeah, yeah Shahirless, yeah. yeah. Which seems like a very specific... I, I just, uh, that's gotta be. You think it's be... an, ana- an anagram? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's put it up on the board and figure <laughs> this out. Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't read Heat 2 yet, but I think he's like one of the only surviving characters from the first movie. And I mm-hmm. guess he's uh, he's a 
pivotal character in it. And uh, what young, what young hot star will be cast as this character? Mm. Um, okay. Ansel Elgort. So moving on. You heard it here first. That's my guess. Ooh, maybe. Uh, moving on. We're going to talk about another, another big one. This is another, this is a starring Val Kilmer performance. Oliver Stone's The Doors. I've never actually seen The Doors. Wow. Neither I've have I. Been, I've never been that interested enough in the subject or the director. <laughs> think, I've never I, really loved Al, Oliver Stone's movies. So. I think you've put your finger correctly on I mean, like, I like some of Oliver Stone's movies, mm-hmm. but there has to be something else enticing me. And if the, the the topic is this band that I don't go on, hate like some people do, but I don't find very interesting. Like I'm like every once in a while, if I hear a door song, I'm like, that's an okay song. <laughs> and that's yeah, about that's as far as it goes. Right. It so. is one of those things where this is a movie I haven't watched, I think since it came out on like VHS or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember mainly being interested in it for uh, scenes of drug use and nudity, mm. uh, which you know, like someday that'll mo- be me. Movie delivers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, someday you'll be interested in drug use and nudity, Dan? <laughs> no, no, someday. no. Someday, Stuart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, He's oh, saying oh. someday I'll be nude and <laughs> on drugs. <laughs> on drugs. <laughs> Weirdly enough, not that long after watching The Doors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, one half of those things you could do at any time if you wanted to. I which, mean, which half is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Good question. Nudity. I mean, well, I guess you couldn't do it at any time. I'm just saying that you don't have to like wait to a certain point in your life to have access to. I mean, that's true. To be honest, the younger you are, the more nudity you're probably experiencing. Yeah, exactly. When you're a, like a little kid or a baby, you can just be nude uh, all the time. Yeah. Are you working on some kind of riddle? <laughs> <laughs> what is nude what's, all the time? <laughs> what's nude all the time in the morning, not nude that much in the afternoon, and then never nude, hopefully in the evening. That's <laughs> me body shaming the elderly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement. I I kind of put this on. And the, here wait, oh, because the Sphinx's answer is Michael Mann. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. Great. that's the answer. To the riddle, not just Mann, like, but Michael Mann. I feel like this movie. This part of it is that like I feel like Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison has become swapped a lot in in like pop culture. Where if you put up an image of Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison, people are like, "That's what that's Jim Morrison, the original." Yeah. <laughs> to the point that like I wouldn't be surprised if there's people who have gotten Jim Morrison tattoos that are Val Kilmer's face, the same that's way that people possible. have gotten Malcolm X tattoos and it's Denzel Washington. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do remember the Doors being very popular when it came out. Like, and you know, I was like a teen, and like these other people are seeing the Doors and talking about the Doors. So I'm like. Even then, I was like, what is it about a movie about the doors that is, like, capturing the the youth <laughs> right now? Like, this seems like such a throwback. Yeah. Like, like in, in retrospect, it feels like, you know, more sort of just, like, deification of, like, 60s, you know, and, like, you know, exalting 60s culture that we grew up with, you know? Yeah. Like, even the stuff that it's, like— Okay, I guess this is <laughs> it's not not as deep as you think. I guess guys, it's a modern music. Yeah, well, I also think Jim Morrison's place in culture has sunk quite a bit. I remember yeah. when we were young, I would hear about him all the time. There are all these conspiracies that he faked his death and he was living in Paris as a poet or things like that. And you'd hear about people going to his grave and mm-hmm. having sex on it or leaving, you know, liquor there or something. And the and I feel like Nobody talks about Jim Morrison anymore. No, the same way that I don't hear people talk about Janis Joplin anymore. And I feel like when I was young, I heard about the legend of Janis Joplin all the time. Maybe just because my dad is a real classic, <laughs> classic rock guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like these are cultural signifiers that were very big when our parents' generation was still the lead, leader in culture in a big way. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. So like nobody's talking about now we hear about the crap we grew up with. Well, yeah, also, instead of talking about Jim Morrison about, and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix, you hear about Kurt Cobain, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, you know, when it comes to we're also, dead, yeah, dead we're talking young about rock stars. Young rock stars, people who died before they were able to uh, sour in the public eye. Yeah. Um, I remember, so with this movie, I feel like it, uh, it if, I don't remember it having a ton of like tight narrative, mm-hmm. uh, but Val Kilmer, I feel like is good in it. Uh, it's his chance to be like actor with a capital A, uh, and he throws himself in it. But yeah. like, it doesn't make it necessarily a fun watch. Yeah, the thing I want to mention is unrelated to the movie, which is just that. So my dad was a big rock and roll guy when he was young, and he was in a rock band in high school. And my grandfather was part owner of a company that made metal storm doors. Uh, uh-huh. And and he, when the Doors were a big band, my dad told me his father went to him and goes. 
If I told you to name your band The Doors, you would have said I was crazy. You would have said it was a terrible idea, but now you're listening to a band called The Doors, and it seems like such a such a funny thing for a dad to say. Like, uh, good exactly. point, I guess. If yeah, I told you to name me. a band after what I make professionally, you would say, no way, but look, they're popular. <laughs> Man, that, that is the, that's like the platonic ideal of a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's move on. I think we've uh, we've closed all the doors. Uh, let's talk. Another, this is this is a personal favorite of mine. This is nothing but hunks with mustaches. That's right, Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone oh, sure. the movie, not the pizza. That's a different thing. <laughs> Val Kilmer had nothing to do with the Tombstone pizza that I know of. Uh, guys, have you ever seen the movie Tombstone? I have. When I was a so when I was younger, I lived and died by like the uh, reviews I would read a lot more, particularly like uh, Who's, e- who, Ebert's who are your reviews. guys? Oh, yeah, we knew e- you were a big thumbhead. You loved Roger uh, Ebert. I was a thumbhead, and I, you know, I think that Tombstone you weren't, got you weren't, kind uh, of, you weren't a chocolate malted. That's what they call Leonard Malton fans. Yeah, it was sort of a, a, a middling review, and I remember that in general, like it, like even though it was a big hit, it didn't get like the greatest reviews. So I didn't watch at the time and then I kept hearing like oh this is so much fun this movie is so much fun and I watched it and lo and behold it is a lot of fun and mostly uh, Val Kilmer is like definitely the highlight of that movie he's he's the guy who he's the he's the paprika character he comes in he adds some spice you know? yeah yeah, yeah. that's a little bit of uh, sorry a little I bit of heat moved away from the microphone Alex is gonna scold me for it's that. okay uh yeah I mean there's uh man you got you got Kurt Russell Mm. You got Sam Elliott. Mm. You got Bill Paxton. Mm. You got Powers Booth. What? You got Michael Bean. <laughs> All of them? Um, <laughs> so many hunks with mustaches. Yeah. They should have called it. this Manstone. It kind of feels like it. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like gay porn in the Flintstones world. Marty, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you doing with this? <laughs> uh, Elliot, curious, have you ever friend. seen Tombstone? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I should rewatch it. Uh, I remember seeing it as a teenager and enjoying it, uh, and I'd like to watch it again and see if I have the same issue with it that I have with a lot of Westerns from the 80s and 90s, which is sometimes they kind of feel the need to be the Western, like it ha- like because they were mm-hmm. making so few of them at the time. It feels like it needs to be all things that a Western can be. And, like I recently – I had never seen Silverado, and I watched that recently, and I was like <laughs> – I'm like there's six or seven different movies going on in here, and they mm-hmm. do not fit together. And But it feels like – he felt like he had to make every Western he could possibly make because he's never going to get to make one again. But uh, Yeah, it's, to, and like they have to uh, like reestablish the language again. Yes. Yeah, they have to – exactly. There's So much of it felt like uh, I'm introducing an audience to Westerns who either haven't seen them in a while or have never seen them when – I love to watch I, I also watched a movie I'm going to recommend at some point in the future, uh, Samuel Fuller's 40 Guns, which is just a fun Western. Like, I, I, I really enjoy Westerns where it's just like, you know what's going on. Let's do a Western story. Uh, so I'm going to have to rewatch Simpson. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's super fun in it. He gets to be Doc, like- Doc Holliday, which is the most fun character in the tombs, in that story, because he's like, He's he's the he's the bad boy. He's dying. Like all the he's romantic mm, he's figure, tragic. Yeah, alcohol, he's, he's a tragic romantic fun figure. He is so good in the movie. Where like anytime he's on screen, you're like, I should also want to look at everyone else, but I just want to look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Michael Bean plays a great uh, f- uh, bad guy foil for him. That also at no point is there ever a moment when he's going to beat. Val Kilmer. No, never gonna. He's you never know it's gonna not be, gonna happen. Yeah, no, it's great. The original Even though Bean Town bad boy. <laughs> 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 Any town he's in is Bean Town. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, and then we have one more before our break. This is uh, later career Val Kilmer, uh, but one that is uh, still pretty near to my heart. Uh, talking about Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Have you ever seen this movie, guys? I literally just the other day said to myself, oh, yeah, I never got around to seeing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I should watch that <laughs> really? sometime. Yeah. That surprises me. I mean, Shane I Black guess not stuff that is, is, is hit or miss with me. And, you know, and I, I kind of, I always keep lists of movies that I want to see so I don't forget them. And then I forget those lists and I just end up wandering around in the halls of cinema, whichever way life leads me. So I'll, I'll watch it. Maybe I'll watch did it you, uh, Did you see The Nice Guys? No, that's another one where I was thinking recently. Okay. I'm like, oh, yeah. I never want to see The Nice Guys too. I should see that. Well, I was going to say, I agree that, I mean, like Shane Black stuff, 
I agree is hit or miss, uh, but most of my fondness for him is based on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys. I feel like that is the best iteration of his thing, and it's mm-hmm. a shame that those are like two yeah. of his least successful movies. But uh, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is is I don't know. I mean, maybe you would find it a little too clever, knowing your I like clever uh, stuff. There's, right. a, know, there's sometimes a smarminess you get, to you, it. You get annoyed at things that are sort of ostentatiously clever sometimes. And there's like a there's a lot of like it's all based on like quips back and forth. But it's a lot of I, arched eyebrows. I think I like I it. I like when, it a lot. If the movie can set it just being personally for myself, if the movie can set a tone of this is not supposed to this is not supposed to be realistic. This is heightened. It's like yeah. I like Tarantino stuff, and his stuff is it's all, you know, it's it's not exactly the same kind of smug, smarmy quips, but it's like you go into it being like, well, I know this is not going to be reality that I'm mm-hmm. that I'm living in, you know. And it and it's very much like both this and the nice guys are very much living in a like paperback detective story yeah. world where that like smarminess is part of the charm. Okay, well maybe that'll be the next mini is me reporting back on these two movies if yeah. I like them or not. <laughs> And I think at the time when this movie came out, which was what, 2000, I want to say 2005. 2005, exactly right, according um, to IMDb. 2005. Um, like, Downey Jr. Uh, hadn't hadn't been Iron Man yet, right? Yeah, no, this yeah. like really, like, this was what came back. And I'm like, I admit that, like, everyone talked about how talented he was, like, early in his career. And I was never, like, the biggest fan. And then... When this came out, like, and sort of, like, older, wiser, ready-to-work Danny Jr. came out, like, he, I think he's so good in this movie. Like, I got on board the train right away, you know. This and, was, the, was this, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, and Val Kilmer was also, like, his star had kind of uh, dipped a bit. Mm-hmm. and he, But he, he provides a lot of kind of grounding to the movie, whereas, like, with Downey Jr., he is the, like, kind of wacky, like, antagonist who was or a protagonist who was also not very good at anything and uh and Val Kilmer provide like I don't know there's something about like the weight of this other star kind of like keeping everything together <laughs> yeah I kind of missed that about Robert Downey Jr that I feel like the 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 last roles I've seen him in for the past I don't know since Iron Man he's playing like uh like like cocky competent you know, snarky, like he's not a nice guy, but you know he's the hero, that kind of stuff. And I kind of miss. Yeah, just like played. in Oppenheimer, where he's the hero of the, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, in Oppenheimer, <laughs> he's 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 a he's a paper thin villain, you know. Uh, but in a, I kind of miss when he would play weird parts, like in um, Scanner Darkly, where his character is is, is such a like. I mean, that movie's great. Such <laughs> an unpleasantly off the wall character, and I'm like, oh, I love this performance so much. He's so good in it. Yeah, or something like, like, uh, what, like time, Home for the Holidays, where oh, he's, he's so good in that. Yeah, he's great in it, and like yeah. clearly, like not doing well in life, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but it works in the context of the movie. Um, okay, I think this is a uh, Val Kilmer in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think he's great. Um, and so it was- good, we mostly talked about Robert Denny Jr. <laughs> well, uh, that's what happens outside the actor's studio. Now, <laughs> let's have a word from our sponsor. Uh, hey, one of our sponsors is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business. Uh, stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, and even your time. Hey, we all need websites these days. Well, not all of us. Let's be honest. Not all of we us, need but a lot them, of us Dan. do. We all we need, them. need we websites. We all need them. Especially if you're a business or uh, uh, you know an individual business. and um, Or a business individual. That, mm-hmm. You can build your website with Square, Squarespace, which allows you to gain powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they're interacting with your content with website in analytics tools that go in depth, including page views, traffic sources, time on site, audience geography, and more. And with Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace, you can start with a best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. So why not check out squarespace.com/slash flop for a free trial? And when you're ready to launch, use offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Guys, doing a uh, a review of an actor's work kind of reminds me that time is fleeting and that uh, mm-hmm. it's 
a great idea to try and capture what you can so you can remember those special moments. And a perfect way to do that is with an Aura digital picture frame, which Wirecutter describes as the best digital photo frame. And it's easy to see why. You can upload a whole bunch of your favorite pictures of your family and relive all those happy moments. If you're giving it as a gift, you can even load up a personal message to play as soon as they take it out of the box. So they get that moment of your voice and they're like, this person loves me. And if you're giving it as a gift, I didn't even think about this before, but uh, one thing you can do is like, if you're giving it to like family and you have access to the aura photos, like as you get new photos, you can load in photos that they can see of like what you're up to these days. So it's not the same old photos all the time. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you That's can, wonderful. you can also, you can also sneak in goofs if you want. <laughs> a few yeah. goofs. Yeah. I mean, just as a goof. <laughs> I was going to say, it's uh, like a modern day Dorian Gray portrait that ages with you. Mm-hmm. as you put that's, the new photos in. See, that's why they pay you the big bucks. So why don't you give the best gift ever this holiday season? Visit AuraFrames.com today and give get $30 off their best-selling frames with the code FLOP. These frames sell out quickly, though, so get yours before they're gone. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com with the promo code FLOP. Terms and conditions apply. They certainly do. Hey, speaking of terms and conditions, I've got some conditions (laughs) under which if you follow the right terms, you'll be able to see the Flophouse in person, in your life. That's right. We've got some Flophouse tour dates coming up. Very exciting. The Flophouse Errors Tour, the cultural event of 2024 probably, will be happening over four nights in 2024. That's in January. Wednesday, January 24th, we'll be in Vancouver, Canada, at the Rio Theater, and we're going to talk about Cobra. That's right. Crime is the disease. Cobra's the cure. We're going to talk about it. Then the next night, Thursday, January 25th, we're going to be in Portland, Oregon for the at the Aladdin Theater. We're going to talk about Cool as Ice. Remember when Vanilla Ice was a movie star? Once. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. it, and we're going to talk about it. Don't say turn. Don't say Ninja Turtles 2. He was not a star in that. There's a glorified cameo. Dan, I knew you were going to bring it up. Don't bring it up. I was then, thinking about it, but then you, you know, you I was thinking about it. the cinematographer from uh, Schindler's List. Janusz Kaminski? Yeah. Who also made, yeah, that's right. It's part of our celebration of the work of Janusz Kaminski <laughs> is cool as ice. Then the next night, Friday, January 26th, we're very excited to be part of the San Francisco Sketch Fest in San Francisco, California. We're going to be at Cobb's Comedy Club talking about Gili! That's right. The movie that brought together and destroyed the relationship of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. They worked Gilly. it out, though, They brought it back you know? together. Look yeah. how happy he is. And there's the back together. love story. I wonder if they watch it regularly now that they're married. Well, maybe. We'll ask them. And uh, maybe they'll be there. Maybe they'll show up. Does she uh, still say it's turkey time? <laughs> She must. Every time she demands cunnilingus, she says it's turkey time. Yep. So anyway, uh, just as in the movie, don't know what I'm talking about? Come see the show Friday, January 26th in San Francisco. Really? You've never seen Julie? Oh my God, you're in for not a treat. (laughs) (laughs) What's the opposite of a treat? A trauma? And then finally, on Sunday, January 28th, we'll be in Los Angeles, California, my hometown, at the Regent Theater, where we're going to talk about that critical darling of the 90s uh, cinema world, Spawn. That's right. We're going to talk about (laughs) the movie that paved the way for the MCU, you could say, by showing that, yes, you can make a superhero movie with with computer animation. It just doesn't have to be good. Spawn. So again, that's- Wow. (laughs) Marvel really uh, took took that and ran with it. Uh, oh, for, oh, eventually, January 24th, Vancouver, Cobra. January 25th, Portland, Cool as Ice. January 26th, San Francisco, Geely. And January 28th, LA, Spawn. Go to flophousepodcast.com slash events to buy tickets. And for more information, that's flophousepodcast.com slash events. Some of these shows, there may be VIP tickets available where you may get to see us. I'm not sure if they are. Uh, the the Vancouver one is the only one with VIP, and I believe they're sold out by now. Oh, never mind then. Sorry, everybody. Well, you can still see us in person. But hey, let's say you don't want to see us in person, but you still want to see us. Why not tune in to Flop TV? That's right. There's one more new episode left of Flop TV, our monthly live internet broadcast show where it's like this, but in front of your face in video, and it also fits into a nice uh, mostly one-hour time slot. So you can do other things with your night if you want to. Our last show will be on January 6th. That's the first Saturday in January, and we're talking about the second worst movie I've ever made, a movie I don't like, but uh, (laughs) it's been in the news lately because it's suddenly expensive on video, I guess, and that's Nuki. So January 6th, we're going to be talking about Nuki. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you get a season pass, 
You'll have access to all of the episodes that we already done. We'll have episodes of those recordings. Your ticket to Nuki, if you can't make it live on January 6th, gets you access to the video of that. But if you have the season pass, you can go back and binge all of the episodes we've done. They'll be available, what, through the end of January? Through the end of January. And I don't want to oversell this because um, I may fail uh, hugely, but I am mm-hmm. trying something uh, very ambitious for my presentation for this Nuki episode. Even so. if Dan fails, that itself may be a joy and a triumph mm-hmm. for the viewers at home. And so, it's like that. It'll be like that Daffy Duck cartoon where he sets himself on fire on a stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, well, he does that on purpose, though. He he swallows a lot of explosives and then swallows a match and blows himself up. It's That's an amazing what he tri- does. It's an amazing act. Yeah, but I can only do it once, and then he goes up to heaven or down to hell sometimes. Anyway, yeah. that those episodes at after the end of January will go back into the Flophouse Vault. So. Don't miss your chance to join us for this final episode of the season. Hopefully we'll do more someday in the future. But this is the final one for now. Go to theflophouse.simpleticks.com. And on January 6th, join us for Nuki. But if you want to see us in person so close, you could touch us. If our security wasn't going to slap you down if you tried to, then come (laughs) to see our Errors Tour this January. January's got a lot of Flophouse performing. I'm looking forward to it. Dan, you you secured uh, security by the Hells Angels this, this <laughs> tour, right? Yep. History tells me nothing can go wrong. <laughs> I, uh, uh, okay. I once heard a story. I once heard a story about the band Sparks that uh, they they said we want to be in charge of security for the venue, and they said okay, and they hired nothing but models and put them in security <laughs> costumes or security <laughs> uniforms. And so they were still doing the security job, but it was all just beautiful models wearing security uniforms. Mm-hmm. Probably a much better way of keeping people in line than the Hell's yeah. Angels. Yeah, intimidate them with beauty. <laughs> Hello, sleepyheads. Sleeping with Celebrities is your podcast pillow pal. We talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics, all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep. For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. Somewhere in an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter. And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are... Jet Pacula. Airport Marriott. Thrupple. Dear America, We've Seen You Naked. And Allah in the Family. In our stupid universe, you can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them on Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org. So, uh, welcome back outside the actor's studio. We're talking about the works of actor Val Kilmer today. Now, we've talked about some uh, a hand-picked selection of big movies he was in. Let's talk about some little movies. And while I've had a chance to throw out some faves, well, you guys, uh, Dan and Elliot, why don't you throw out a... a okay, which one of those things are we doing first? Are we talking about little movies or are we throwing out faves? Are those Both. the fave thing? little movie? Uh, uh, well, I mean, this is not little, although it's little, little, little is, little is completely the wrong t- uh, term. <laughs> Everything's little to I'll God. throw it in the garbage. Um, no, I, I mentioned it before, you know, maybe it's a weird pick, but because it was on television a lot when I was a kid, Real Genius is the movie I associate most with Val Kilmer. Perfect. And I think that that movie has stood the test of time in a way that a lot of 80s comedies haven't. I mean, it helps that it doesn't really have a bunch of offensive stuff, at least not that I can remember. Like, And it, I like that it has real nerds in it. You couldn't make a it. movie like Real Genius anymore, Dan, because <laughs> the Cold War is over. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, was, uh, so I think part of the reason why it holds up is because it was directed by Martha Coolidge. Yeah. Uh, who... Didn't put that kind of you know it's it didn't right. put gross shit in it. No, yeah, it is it is a weirdly sensitive movie for for what it is like a bunch of geniuses cutting loose and doing pranks and stuff. Um, and I, I as a, I like that other than Val Kilmer who you know is 
movie star beautiful and has a lot of charisma in that part. Like all of the the nerds in it look convincingly like nerds who would go to these schools, you know, like they feel like more like real, you know, young mm-hmm. people who are growing and I don't know, awkward and learning, you know, and it's it, it feels very lovable. Yeah, especially compared to uh it's peer yeah. revenge of the nerds. <laughs> yeah. Oof. <laughs> Yeah. Which wow. tried to warn us about how <laughs> poisonous nerds can be, I mean, it, but it, we it didn't is, listen. I, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds is a chilling prophecy that, that, <laughs> that the world has only made come true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a theory of a Big Bang <laughs> <laughs> where studios will try and make you not be concerned with nerds. You should not pay attention to that. No, no, no. Keep watching the nerds. That's what that's what we're running as we run through the streets as trucks of nerds are being brought into towns. <laughs> You're next. Keep I, watching the nerds. You're next. I, Delicious though. Delicious. I had never seen. Nerds. So I had never seen Real Genius. I did not grow up with it. It just wasn't a movie that yeah. my folks had on tape at home, uh, and we didn't have cable when I was growing up. So it. I just watched it the other day, and yeah, it, it holds up. It's funny. Val Kilmer is great in it. Um, yeah. William Atherton, everyone's William favorite Atherton 80s asshole is in sure. it. And there's a ton of uh, Valley Girl crossover, of course, with Martha Coolidge. So it was cool to see those people. And then, of course, I went and watched Valley Girl, which has some um, uh, Just One of the Guys crossover, which is great. Yeah, it's so all part of the same universe. The, the 80s, yeah, 80s teen cinematic uh, universe. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, no, Real Genius is great, and Val Kilmer's great in it. Uh, I haven't seen Real Genius since I was a kid. Maybe I'll watch that again mm. sometime too when it was on HBO all the time. Uh, I'll mention uh, this is another kind of movie about – this is in, kind of along the lines of Heat. This is a movie about men doing bad things and being bad that Val Kilmer is a supporting actor in. But mm-hmm. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, it's a very different movie than oh. Heat in a lot of ways. Is a I think it's a great movie. I think Val Kilmer is really good in it and similarly because he's able to play off – a much wilder performance from Nicolas Cage. Um, and it's it's a it's just an example of like one of the things that Valkymer does really well that he also does in Heat, uh, which is provide that kind of like ballast, you know, yeah. uh, while also creating his own character. He's not just there in relationship to the main character, but he also, but he is uh, providing a necessary counterweight to that main character at times. I think that's one of the things that Val Kilmer brings to a lot of his roles is that like even if he's not going to be getting the get, be getting the spotlight, he puts in the work to like build a character for himself. Yes, and it. I mean, it it, it shows. He's he feels like in in many ways that he is kind of. I mean, he's he's a thinking actor in a way that he didn't have to be in his career yeah. necessarily because he was he's very handsome and he could have easily been. Batman or the Saint or whatever. I mean, he could. I would probably argue forever because it has those movies it hurt great, him but. as an actor. It yeah, hurt it him probably in did. his career. Yeah. Whereas if he was more like his Top Gun cast uh, castmate Tom Cruise, who is eager to kind of is up for whatever, but doesn't seem to put a huge amount of thought into some things other than the mechanics of doing an amazing thing on mm-hmm. camera. Like, uh, but of the two of them, which one is going to do a touring show where they where they perform as Mark Twain, not Tom Cruise? It's going to be Val Kilmer. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just like, I mean, like, obviously Cruise is wildly committed to, like, what he does, and but at a certain point he seemed to lose interest in, like, the thing that he does being, like, challenging himself as an actor. Well, he, versus, he, he, instead, like, he's, he's like a Douglas he's more Fairbanks of an entertainer type. Yeah. He kind of challenges yeah. himself as to perform physical stunts or to be in situations. And yeah. that's, a, that's a valid way to provide entertainment, but it's not necessarily, like, the craft of acting, especially yeah. because if the craft of acting is creating the illusion that you are a person in a situation, being that mm-hmm. person and putting yourself in that situation is not acting. <laughs> when, yeah. when Tom Cruise is like, well, if I'm going to be in this helicopter crash, I better learn how to fly a helicopter and crash it. It's like, well, that's not acting. That's stunt work, <laughs> which is still an amazing craft, but, you know, it is not, it's not the same thing, you know. I remember when Bad Lieutenant Protocol New Orleans came out and there was buzz about it. And I'm like, what? They made a fucking sequel to Bad Lieutenant? <laughs> and also uh, that like Werner Herzog made it. It seems a weird yes. move for him. Yeah. And like tracking it down. And it's so, it was so weird and fun and like, yeah, it's great. And I believe Herzog never watched the Ferrara movie. I be, like that's yeah, at least I think the correct. I mean, it makes sense for him. He, uh, the, yeah. I don't think he's watched a single episode of The Mandalorian and he's in it. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you think do you think they gave him one of the the baby Yoda puppets to take home? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. He's like, I what is this? So. I don't understand uh, what this up with it. is. I mean he would yeah. might think it's cute. He, he loves loved it. He like, loved it. Isn't that the, the, the story? Counts, like he, loved he it. like Fell oh, in love with baby Yoda. Yeah, there's that story where John Favreau, like, they took the puppet out so they could shoot it in case they wanted to use a digital baby Yoda, and Werner Herzog called him a coward. <laughs> <laughs> I love I it. Mean, that's uh, right up there with the stories of Ingmar Bergman watching Jurassic Park over and over again. It's like, just because they're <laughs> weird artists does not mean that they don't like the same things people like, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're still yeah, they're still human beings. Kubrick really didn't he like love Steve Martin movies like specifically? Yes. Well, there's and there was the, I was just watching that uh that HBO documentary about Albert Brooks and they tell the story in that about Stanley Kubrick calling Albert Brooks and being li- about uh, the movie Modern Romance and being like, "You made the movie I always wanted to make. How did you do it? This movie is amazing." And Albert Brooks being like, yeah. "What? Like how, <laughs> you like you made 2001." But like, I mean, I think that, you know, you you are amazed by the stuff that you can't do yourself and like yeah you know kubrick like dr strangelove notwithstanding like not necessarily like the funniest man it seems not to a be. funny filmmaker yeah although <laughs> yeah. barry linden has some really funny parts the yeah. ending of barry linden is very funny yeah. to me but there are moments of clockwork orange that are funny mm. not all of it mm. <laughs> yeah i don't know if i would Thanks put laugh laff riot on the, on the poster <laughs> I, yeah, I feel Funniest like people would be ever. mad at you. Rave yeah. Stuart Wellington. Yeah, people would be mad at you if, if you did that. But, you know, sometimes that's the bit and you got to commit to it. Yeah, gun uh, busting for the whole family from age <laughs> one to 101, says Stuart Wellington about a clockwork orange. I'm uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to wrap it up with a movie that has a very small, but I would say important Val Kilmer performance. That's right. I'm talking True Romance. Have y'all seen True Romance? I have. It's another one that I have not watched since I was a teenager, and mm. I should watch it because I feel like I will react to it differently than I did then. As a the teenager, reacted, did you like it? No, I reacted with extreme distaste. I did uh, not want to exist yeah. in that world, but I think I might appreciate it more now. I I had the same. I haven't seen it in oh, years. I, loved it I did like. I was like, "What is this like?" Tony, Tony Scott flash all over everything. Everyone's like unpleasant, but now I feel like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I I crave it in a weird way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like unpleasant I, flash. That's why you yeah. liked the movie The Flash so much because it has yeah. a very unpleasant flash in it. Unpleasant flash is the evil flash, right? <laughs> Not no, quite it's evil. More like yeah, mid range. Like he comes he, to your party. Yeah, he, he like he doesn't says commit a couple crimes, things that aren't. You don't want him around. Yeah. 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 It's not outwardly insulting, but it's clear that there's an insult buried in it. Yeah, you can tell he's not really paying attention in conversations. He's just waiting to say the thing that he wanted to say, even if it's not related to what everyone else is talking about. But he does it real fast. Yeah. Yeah, at least there's that. True Romance was a movie that when I saw it, I was like, this is amazing. How had I not heard of this? And I, I loved it. But then, you know, I got a little bit older. I'm like, what is all this garbage and flash, yada, yada. Uh, and now I'm back around and like, no, I like this again. And obviously, it's filled with uh, great little character performances. Uh, you know, your Christopher Walkins, your Dennis Hoppers, your uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, anybody? What a what a Bronson meal. Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot, Brad mm-hmm. Pitt, mm-hmm. Uh, and Val Patricia Kilmer. RK. Yep. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lead. Performance, yeah, that's a lead performance. Um, and uh, and Val let's Kilmer. Not that, I'm looking through the cast now, and I forgot that. Uh, Paul Bates from Coming to America is in it. Oh. A movie that I watched over and over again when I was a kid, Coming to America, that was a favorite in our household. Yeah, I mean, Coming to America is, what, top five best comedies of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, and True Romance, Val Kilmer plays Elvis, uh, and he, I don't even think you see his face really. If anything, it's obscured through, like, it's only seen through a mirror and it's obscured with sunglasses. But he provides kind of a, I, I wouldn't say conscience, but maybe a impetus, uh, like a driving force for Christian Slater's character, a inner monologue, mm. uh, basically telling him to commit crimes. <laughs> uh, sort of like that dog we talked about before. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of yeah, like yeah, that sure. cool dog. Um, <laughs> cool dog. Yeah, yeah, son of Sam's dog, he had sunglasses on. Well, he was so cool. Yeah, it was so cool. That dog was a rascal. You know, it was all meant as a goof. <laughs> oh, that's, that reminds me of, uh, Stuart, I meant to send you this uh, this picture I took yesterday of a car in front of me on the freeway that had the license plate A Scamp. <laughs> I was like, oh, Stuart's car. <laughs> oh, man, I shouldn't let that guy borrow my car. He's kept it this whole time. What a scamp. 
<laughs> I think the I think the the change that you went through in this movie, Stuart, is one that I think a lot of people who appreciate movies go through, or art in general, I guess, where when you're young, you like the surface elements of a thing because you think they're cool. Like you genuinely think they're cool. And then when yes. you get older, you're like, eh, there's nothing, there's nothing under here. But then when you get older than that, you suddenly have this new appreciation for those surface elements as surface elements rather than reading some kind of meaning or some kind of depth yeah. into it that maybe isn't there. And I think that's a, a certain, healthy arc. Yeah, I think at a certain point, if you like the medium, you just appreciate the moviness of it all, you yes. know, sometimes. Or or if you're, or if you're uh, film critic David Thompson, you just become a weird kind of creepy perv about Nicole Kidman, and that becomes mm. the main driving thing of through your, <laughs> your through your film writing. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird drive-by of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he got him. Got him. I don't know. I was just thinking about that recently. How he's like a very he's a very well-respected film writer, but then every now and then he'll just be like, it, he'll just say he'll just write something that's so that is such so horny for Nicole Kidman out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I mean, it it shows that even film writers are humans too and have hey, their look. weird obsessions. <laughs> It's that you, it was, is it a, what in the essay, the immediate experience where they, um, there's the thing about how a critic is someone watching a thing and experiencing it and they have to describe that experience and they have to be true to that experience, you know? Yeah. Um, and you can't, you can't have film without desire, I guess, especially a film <laughs> like <laughs> romance. Oh, that's well. your, that's your, that's your, uh, perfume ad. <laughs> You can't have film without desire. Smell and you can't like have an desire old... without Kalen. <laughs> smell like an old can of film. Kalen, a fragrance. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, okay. Smell so... like the theater I was in last night, full of popcorn and farts. Kalen, a new fragrance. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up. We have one final segment. This is where we are going to uh, take a look at all the Val Kilmer performances that you can remember and I want you to identify one that you think would be the best, which character would be the best hang and which would be the worst hang. Mm. I have my worst good. hang queued yeah. up. Yeah, you, why don't you go? Because we have a little research I will, to do, I would I guess. love to go. Worst hang, it's got to be Jim Morrison, right? I mean, yes, I, I feel like that, that would be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to jump on that grenade, guys, but I don't think that Jim Morrison would be fun and... Uh, Val Kilmer's commitment to that character makes him even less fun. Uh, let's see, a good hang. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat real genius. I feel like he's he's got like an airy, uh, like intellectual quality, but he is still committed to having fun and making sure that the people around him are having fun, even while he's making fun of them. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I'm going to have to say. I've I've chosen my best hang and worst hang. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to go with best. I think uh, since you took real genius, I will go with Tombstone because even though that's, he's yeah, like he's cool, you know, I mean, like you know, it's a party when when he's around. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually it's all going to fall apart. But for now, let's just have fun with. Uh, Doc Holiday and uh, worst, I guess I'll go with the villain from the steam experiment. Because <laughs> he put may me lock in you in a sauna room. and try to drive yeah. you insane. Oh, yeah, death. that's what he did. That's, I mean, that's a pretty simple experiment. He wanted to prove yeah. that what that climate change was yes. real by locking people in a sauna, and the movie was anti climate change as yeah. reality. His, his theory was. That if you put a bunch of people in a really hot room where they're slowly dying from the heat, they might get cranky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he proved it. He, he proved, proved it. it. That's yeah. right. Much in the same way <laughs> that if you put work. a frog in a pot of boiling water, it will die. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that experiment proves. Mm -hmm. um, I Worst hang, I'm going to go with his character of Montgomery in The Island of Dr. Moreau, which we mentioned earlier. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he is – unpredictable he's a sociopath he will see nothing wrong with just letting loose a bunch of murderous animal people uh mm. and throwing drugs and things to them so that they kind of lose their minds i don't want to be around that kind of energy that's not so great to me uh but for a good hang um i think this is another role i mentioned before but he they did do a video of it i'm gonna say mark twain who uh okay. val kilmer for yeah. years performed as a one-man show, and I know all you Hal Holbrook fans are mad that anyone else would pick up the Twain mantle. There's more than enough Twain to go around. There's at least two. His name is Twain. Stanley uh, Twain mantle. The, well, the documentary, <laughs> I, I haven't seen, have you seen Cinema Twain? Have you no, seen- No, I haven't the, yet. I really want to see it, yeah. But the the footage that they show in the Val documentary is pretty good. 
I, I was mean, like, I was skeptical of it, but it's he's good in it. No, it's a show I genuinely regret that I did not know of. I didn't get an opportunity to see it because I don't really think he can perform it now with uh, no. with the, the way his voice is. But the uh, his, but I I do want to see the movie version of it. So that's what I'm gonna say. Mark Twain again, someone who in real life kind of a difficult person to be around in the long term, but I think probably a fun person to hang out with for an evening. You know, yeah. with all the Bon Mots and all his stories and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's been Outside the Actor's Studio. Uh, Next time, we'll be talking about another actor that I find fascinating. I think, I don't know when we're going to get around to do another one of these, but I think the next one's going to be Holly Hunter, guys, if you want to rush up. Holly Hunter. Love Holly Hunter. Uh, So uh, our show is on the MaxFun Network. You can support us and other great shows by going over to MaximumFun.org. Uh, yeah, our, it's produced by Alex Smith, who goes by Howell Doughty on various socials. He's the best. I've been your host, Stuart Studio Wellington. <laughs> I'm, uh, Dan Actors McCoy. <laughs> Didn't go with the one I gave you, huh? And I'm Elliot Electric Lights Kalen, saying thanks, to and thanks to you, the listener. Bye! <laughs> Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.